Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. It's been a hard week watching the news. I would agree with that. So many heavy things, but especially Israel. And watching everything that's happening over there, especially since we were just there a few months ago. What was it? Three or four months ago. It's in June. And then to see everything that's happening over there, it's heartbreaking. It is. I've been over there twice. And so you develop kind of a love for that country. Of course, the Bible binds us to that land. And so you see it through a different lens. And now that we've been there a few times... And you see the landscape of the country and, and the it people. looks very familiar and you're like, yes. And of course, all the people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's been very, very, very hard to watch all this unfold and especially so many civilians. It's not like the military installu- installations were targeted. It's Hamas, a terrorist group that has come across the border in a hostile act and have killed citizens unarmed citizens out of hatred, mm-hmm. pure hatred. And it's what's driving this group. You know, we, you know, we can get very detailed here about what is behind all this. I would flat out say it's demonically driven hatred. You know, that, that hatred's another level. I mean, when I heard on the news just yesterday and not to get overly graphic here, but that 40 babies mm. had been murdered and some of them very graphically, I'm telling you, it breaks your heart. And who, what human animal on this planet could ever do something like that to a to a to a defenseless baby? baby. So it has been a hard week. This has hit pretty hard. And you know, I'll just you know something that I've felt very strongly after the weekend is that is that uh, in hindsight, I wish we would have taken time in all of our services and prayed for Israel and yeah. just prayed for that part of the country. Well, it was so fresh, so new on Saturday. I believe it started Saturday morning. It, yeah, it started Saturday morning. And then um, and just the atrocity of it all, uh, I learned more and more about later over, over the, the weekend. weekend yeah. But even with that, I mean, I knew enough at the time. I should have... I should have taken the time to lead the church in some prayer. And, you know, I've had a few people ask me about it afterwards. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. We should have done that. And I wish I could go back and do a do-over. I I don't get a Uh, do-over. This weekend's coming, but I don't get a do-over. We just have, but if I could redo it, I would have definitely had some targeted prayer and some time in our services. And sometimes, sometimes you just blow it. Sometimes you just miss it. And I would say that's probably this weekend was one of them. I wish I could do it differently, but but um, but that hasn't stopped me from praying now. And mm-hmm. Kirsten and I have been praying for the Middle East, and uh, we know a few people over there that we've reached out to to make sure they're okay. And and um, well, but yeah, our, our tour guide. We had two tour guides this summer. One of them lives here in the states, and the other one lives over there still, and his mm-hmm. whole family. And uh, and so just to think about them and their family and how they're involved and. Um, everything it's 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 um that's heavy 
And I know that there's other people out there that have family and friends that live over there as well. You know, it's just heavy on everybody's heart. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in my mind, this isn't necessarily, you know, is this prophecy being fulfilled right before our eyes? You know, you hear a lot of, anytime there's any kind of fighting in the Middle East, um, you know, people are trying to find biblical conclusions and, and this relates to this and all that. And um, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about all that. I just, my heart breaks for the people <laughs> and what's going on over there. And it's very clear to me that this is demonic evil being being forced and and um, I'm so disappointed at some of our politicians that won't even just stand up and call evil for what it is and oh my word. you know some yeah. of these radicalized politicians in Washington that are flying the you know the outside their offices they they put Palestinian flags out can you imagine that our nation's capital they're flying the Palestinian flag and and um, in support of what's going on and they won't even. You know, I'm, this isn't even about standing with one country or standing with Israel or anything like that, but it frustrates me that they won't even call evil what it is. They won't even say, yeah, the murder of all these little babies is horrible. And you know why they won't say it? Because it goes against their abortion agenda. Mm. That means they have to value life. They have to value something that they currently don't value. And so the whole thing hits me on on different levels. Yeah, of course there's that. I think everybody asked that question, is this prophecy being fulfilled right in front of us? Should we be paying attention to this from a prophetic point of view? Honestly, I'm, I'm more driven just to pray for it as a human rights issue right, right. and that I love that land and God loves these people. And don't, don't forget, there's Palestinian Christians that are caught in the crosshairs of this thing too. Which it's, we met too. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we interacted and rubbed shoulders with a number of Palestinian Christians, wonderful God-fearing people. Um, while we were in Israel and, you know, especially in Bethlehem and other mm-hmm. places. And so you can't just say this, the Palestinians, I don't think this is Hamas. This right. is a terrorist organization that is doing awful things. And um, I hate the bloodshed and we definitely need to pray. So Kirsten, you know what Kirsten and I were talking before, um, before we started recording our podcast, we just want to pray. You know, I think this is uh, something that she and I have been doing. And I think we'd just like to take this opportunity on this platform to just pray for for what's going on over there. So I'm I don't think we've ever done it before on the air. And I know. Uh, so I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna yeah. my, my first prayer on the podcast, but let me pray for us. Lord, Lord, you are Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings, you're all of those things. And our hearts are breaking over what's happening um, in the Holy Land. And Lord, what is so clearly obvious, a demonic evil because where else could that level of hatred come from? But Lord, we do pray for the peace in that land. Lord, we don't know what the solution is, you know, and there's a lot of fighting. And in the days ahead, I think it's going to get a whole lot worse. But Lord, I just specifically pray that uh, the loss of innocent life would be, would be uh, much less than what we fear. And that, Lord, all the hostages that have been taken, Lord, we pray for their safe return. Lord, we would pray for restraint among their captives. Lord, we pray that um, wisdom would fall on all the people of that land, that wisdom would be upon all the military leaders. I, But Lord, more than any of that, I would just pray somehow, some way that your light can shine through that troubled land, that Lord, somehow you'll use this latest conflict as a way and a means to point people to your son, Jesus Christ, that Lord, they would all come to know you as their savior. 
Mm-hmm. And that, Lord, there could be great revival in that land, um, that a revival that comes around your son, Jesus. And, Lord, I know that that this is a conflict that goes back all the way to biblical times. And, Lord, I don't think for a second that there's a politician in the world that, that knows how to solve this thing. But, Lord, you are the great peacemaker. Lord, you are the one that can resolve all things. Lord, you you actually are powerful enough to stop missiles in midair and and uh, crush rebellions and and to bring good out of really bad things. And uh, Lord, none of this is too hard for you. So Lord, we just humbly come before you and we would just pray for peace in that land. We would pray, Lord, that there'd be a massive revival and a turn to your son, Jesus. And that Lord, uh, that there could be a day where Lord, there'd be there'd be peace. Um, so Lord, all in all, we just we just thank you, Lord, for how you take care of us. And I know, Lord, that none of this has escaped your notice. And um, and so, Lord, with all of that, we just pray, pray for peace. So, Lord, we love you, and we give you praise on this incredible day. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. You know, Kirsten, I have really been enjoying this series that we're in. And, you know, I've just loved this journey through the Old Testament. It's been a really good series. It's been, a, well, it's been a multi-year it's a journey. Trilogy, yeah. And that's how I've kind of presented it to the church. It's kind of like a three-year-long sermon series broken up where we did Genesis, yeah. Exodus, and now Joshua. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, absolutely loving this series. And and we are in Joshua chapter four. That's we're all the way through it. And I'm getting good feedback from folks on the study guides. They're really enjoying kind of the new format of study guides. I will say they are really good. They're better than yeah, they were last better. year. And, they, and that's intentional. Some so changes. Job. Well, thank you. Um, intentional changes. But um, this last message that I preached um, this past Sunday, it had a little deeper impact on me than I thought it was, than I thought it would. Like, like when I'm preparing for the whole series and I'm kind of mapping out some things and I get to chapter four and, and kind of think about what we're going to be, what I'm going to, the thing I'm going to be focusing on, this one kind of caught me by surprise. And it really wasn't going to be one of those it, early. I didn't think this was going to be one of those chapters that was of great consequence. And I'm careful when I say that, because I think every chapter in the Bible is of great consequence, but you know, sometimes they hit you differently in the moment. And so in the, in our series through Joshua, the Israelites have come through the red, the, not the red sea, the Jordan river. And this is where the Lord miraculously held back the water and they came through on dry ground. And in chapter four, we read that Joshua selected 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel to go back out into the Jordan river. But now it's completely dry Mm -hmm. right at the spot where the Ark of the covenant was being held in place by the priest. And there are these stones around the feet of the priest that used to be underwater. Probably big stones. Well, yeah. I mean, big, but not, but small enough that a man could pick it up, put it on his shoulder. The Bible's very yeah. specific. So, what, 75 pounds, 100 pound rocks. And they bring it out, and Joshua takes these stones to Gilgal, which is a few miles away from the Jordan River, which becomes kind of a staging area and an important, important place for the, for the Israelites. And he sets these things up. The Bible says he sets them up. Which is no small hike carrying those. I wouldn't want to carry a 75-pound rock for five miles. Are you kidding me? I was going to say, it, I mean, 
that's that's not a short distance. Do you remember um, when Neil? Yep. I was going to say the same thing. We went on this hike as a family. He was a senior in high school. So it was last year. Well, he's Two trying to show us how tough he was. How strong he is. is. I mean, he would. he's going to listen to this and be like, not was, is mom. Typical teenage kid. And we, we have some great trails around here. And they all kind of connect right back to our house. So we leave our house, go up into the trails, and we get up to the top of the trail to turn around. And somehow he found this. It wasn't even like a rock or a boulder. It was concrete. It was concrete. It was leftover concrete from something. A broken piece of concrete and for something. He got some really great idea, apparently. I'm going to pick this up and carry it over my head all the way home. And we, and were, we were two miles, at yeah, least two miles. I was going to say a mile and a half or two miles away from home. On a rugged like, trail. He just starts carrying it. And Joe and I just kind of look at each other. Like kind He's of not carrying that all the way back we're to like, the house. Okay. And then we're like, Neil, how long are you going to carry that for? The whole way. <laughs> okay. And he literally. I don't quit. Hands extended over his head all the way, carrying that concrete. And I think eventually when we did get home, he weighed it because he carried it all the way. Do you remember how much it weighed? And it's still, I believe, on the side of our house. (laughs) We can weigh it when we get home. We should weigh it. I'm sure he weighed it. We should text him and ask him. It's probably buried under some leaves somewhere. Yeah, but he... He just got this. And so that's exactly what the story reminded me of is Neil only carried it for a mile and a half or two miles. But these guys were carrying these huge rocks and they were probably a little bit bigger than what Neil was carrying. Maybe not. We don't know. And to carry it that far, that's 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 a lot of work. That's like a wrestling practice. Well, any rock you pick up and you put on your shoulder and walk any length or any distance, I think that'd be tough. But they they did. They took these 12 stones couple miles inland to Gilgal. And it said, the Bible says that Joshua set them up. And it says there in verse six that it's going to serve as a reminder, mm-hmm. a memorial. Um, it's going to be a sign. Those are the words that were used. And we don't know exactly if this they were stacked together, put in a circle, or, but whatever it was, he found a good visible spot that people are going to see for years to come because Gilgal is going to be an important place for a long time. Mm-hmm. And every time they pass through there, he says to them, I want you to tell your children, the next generation, that every time they see this, whatever it was that he built with these stones, that these are the rocks that came from the Jordan, and this needs to be a reminder to you that God did an incredible thing. Don't ever forget. And it says very clearly there in chapter four, you know, all the peoples of the earth will fear him. They'll know the great power of our God. But these rocks were a catalyst to teach the next generation. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the the, the gist of the whole sermon. And it really kind of impacted me. And one of the questions that I asked the church was, what kind of memorials do you have in your life? And I wasn't really necessarily talking about physical memorials, but what are those things in your life that um, serve as reminders of those times that God really came through for you? Mm -hmm. Because you think about the Israelites, every time they come by these stones, they're telling the next generation, man, our God is powerful. And these stones that would right now be underwater had we not brought them out with us, they serve as a forever reminder that God came through for us. And so I asked the church, you know, what are those memorials? I'm not talking about we don't carry around 12 stones with us and show them to people. I'm saying, what are those reminders of those times when it invokes a memory? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a story of a, of a dire situation that the Lord has brought you through. Mm-hmm. And so you recall that story and you share it with other people as, as it's like that story in your life is a memorial 
like set in time forever. Mm -hmm. Like I'll never forget this. This is when God came through or a time you experience a tragedy and you're like, you got through it and God helped you heal and you got to the winning or the victory side of that. Mm -hmm. And that always is now I'm helping people. I'm telling people about how great God is because I went through this tragic thing um, or any kind of impossible situation that God made possible. I would say, you know, the way I said it, I believe on Sunday at church was, um, what is that intentional story or that intentional event you're never going to forget about that you use to relay that had it not been for the Lord on my side, we wouldn't be here today. I don't know. It just, I've been thinking about that a lot. In fact, it was even one of the life group questions um, in our study guide this week and, and hearing back from people. But I think the question was, you know, describe the memorial stones in your life. How do they remind you of God's faithfulness. When you and I were talking about this, I had posted a picture maybe last week. I think last week on social media. The one that showed up on your memory wall? Yeah. And uh, you and I were saying how that kind of serves as a memorial because I posted that. (laughs) I was not super happy nine years ago when I posted it. I was not understanding what God was doing in our lives. And there were two, there were two pictures you refer. Are you, which one are you referring to the one in Kansas city or the one yeah. here in Bella Vista? No, the one here in Kansas city. Well there, well, there were both one in Kansas city, one here. They were both like back to back because they were both nine years ago. Yes. Because the first picture in Kansas city was our last picture in, in our Kansas pre city, in yeah. Kansas City, our previous ministry, and the next picture that you shared was our first picture here at here New Life in your office. And you and you right where Abby is actually sitting is where that picture was. And taken. you had commented about what you were going through, so. and that was just it was just a time in my life that I I had just said, okay, God, I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna follow my husband and go with my family. <laughs> I wasn't gonna stay in Kansas City, but I really struggled with it for a long time. I mean, Joe knows for a really long time. And I, I didn't see what I think God was showing you. And I was really struggling with that. Like, why would, why would God show you and not me? And why do I not have that peace and understanding that you do? And and because I know you so well, I look at that picture and I can see the conflict. (laughs) I I can see the dilemma in, in, in your face on that picture. Yeah. And so it was just, it was just a hard time for me to understand why we were here and what we were doing. And, you know, now I can look back at that and, and smile and go, okay, okay, God. Okay. Okay. I see what you brought us through and, and why we got brought here. And there's a lot more peace, a lot more understanding and a lot more rejoicing. So that, that picture is what you're saying. And you mean, and I've, we talked about this the other day, but you said that picture serves as a memorial for me. For sure. Because I look back nine years ago and I see just fear and I see unknown and some doubt and some, oh my goodness, are we really doing this? A lot of emotion with that, yeah. But now nine years later, when you look at that picture, it's a reminder to you, God brought me through that. Sure. God was in control. He knew what he was doing. For sure. And so that kind of serves as a memorial. For sure. You know what looking at that picture reminded me of? <laughs> if I'm just being honest with you. It reminded me of those things because, you that know. you didn't have a beard? Well, no, I did not have a beard. Um, but it also, it's not like I wasn't feeling those things either. I just was feeling very called. Yeah. But But I, my, I hurt for you because I knew that um, we weren't 100% together. We were unified, yeah. but I knew you were struggling. And you yeah. and I know it meant the world to me when you just came to me during that whole process. Hey, look, 
you're the leader of this house, and if God's leading you in that direction, I believe it's going to be it's because what's what God wants, and I'm hundred percent with you. And you don't know how much that meant to me to hear you say that, but it didn't take the concern out of me that oh my goodness, am I dragging my wife somewhere that she's going to be so unhappy? And uh, but I look at that picture and I. I, I look at God brought us through that. But I was going to tell you the other thing that comes to my mind when I see that okay. is what happened a month, month or two before that. So, and we may have talked about this on air. I can't remember, but I was in the interview process and we got to that point in the interview process here with new life back then it was Bella Vista Christian church and the elders invited me. Have I told this story before? I'm sure, yes. The elders invited me to, to come and preach. And what they do is they call it the trial sermon. And this is where they present you as the candidate mm-hmm. to the entire congregation and you preach. And if they want you, then they vote. And if you get enough votes, you're in. You know that that's kind of that's a more simplified view of it. But basically, all they're saying these are our guy. We're asking you to affirm this as a congregation. And I remember we were there in church, and worship was going on. And um, and I looked over at you, and and you were crying your eyes out. Abby, have I told you this story? I have heard this story. <laughs> okay, I don't remember if I told this on it's air. Really sad. <laughs> it is sad. <laughs> and so I'm there trying to worship, and of course, I'm very conscientious of the fact that. I'm sure that most of the eyes on that room are watching us. They're, we were supposed to be worshiping Jesus and yes, not looking at but, us. But, okay? they, so but listen, it's a it. candidate weekend. They're judging <laughs> not just the sermon. They're judging how you and I interact, our demeanor, our expressions. And I was feeling all these eyes on me. And I look over at you. And you're trying to worship, but you got tears running down your cheeks. Tears and tears. And, and, and they weren't happy tears. They were like, oh, Lord, help me tears, okay? And, and of course, I think most situations, if you see your wife in emotional distress, usually what you would get from me is my arm around you, oh, babe, it's going to be okay. Listen, God's is, got this. That is not what I got it's, from it's, you. It's going to be okay. But, but I, I, I don't know if I, I'm ashamed to admit this. But in, the, but in the moment, I was like, I can't. You should be. In the moment, I, like, I said, you need to stop crying. I can't believe this is happening. And I leaned over, and this is exactly what I said. I said, suck it up. <laughs> it was those exact words. <laughs> I leaned over it's to my wife. My I am I am less than five minutes from going up to wait, preach. Wait, wait, it and was I le- more, it was, it was people are singing, <laughs> and it was, suck it up. <laughs> it was that. Okay. Oh, it was a whisper. Man. Yeah. They yeah. could have they probably just looked at you and they thought, Wow, look at she her worship. Car- God was, by the spirit today. Carrie was like, she loves our okay, worship. Okay. I'm, yeah, I, really, I have to say this. <laughs> I just I'm dis- I, disappointed <laughs> in myself because you know the queen and the royal family would be able to hold it together and never show that kind of emotion in public. And sometimes I wonder if they even do it in private, but I'm like, I could literally not pull myself together. I was sitting there just going, what are we doing? Why are we here? This was not supposed to happen. So I, I, I did, as you call, suck it up. I dried the tears because literally, I think 30 seconds later, they were like presenting me with flowers. Listen, I don't think I've ever said that to you before. And I don't think I've said that to you since. I don't think you've ever been that insensitive ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Just 
just that just then hey we're all we're all growing we're all learning i'm to this day we've been married for over 20 i'm not gonna get the job if they see you crying about it we we've been married almost a quarter of a century and i'm still trying to figure out what it means to be a good and loving husband no it was fine i understood the situation (laughs) i knew what i needed to do i just was like maybe i just needed to hear that suck it up well anyway Maybe that'd be the title of a book we could write on marriage someday. We just call it Suck, Suck It Up. up. <laughs> what a great. Oh, yeah, that'll be a great title. <laughs> Now leading this marriage. Listen, listen everyone. Our, all you need to do is suck it up. Our marriage seminar um, led by Joe Williams and Kirsten Williams called Suck It Up. I think if we led a marriage seminar, it'd be by Kirsten Williams and Joe. <laughs> and you would say, now just suck it up and listen, deal with it. There are some things you just got to suck it up. But anyway, coming back to coming back to what yeah, we were we talking got, about. We got, we got we a little sidetrack yeah, there. A little by side, just a side story. But but. It was such a timely thing when you post that picture and how you and I just kind of sat and visited about mm-hmm. that. And and sure enough, that does today. We could show that picture to anybody and go, but you know what? It's going to be okay. God's going to see you through and God's got a plan. And so that picture does kind of serve as a memorial for us, a catalyst, if you will, to tell somebody else, God's powerful. God, mm-hmm. we should fear the Lord. My favorite part, though, sorry, I'm going to sidetrack us again real quick on that. My favorite part was a guy who was here in the church when we were, I guess, contemplating coming. And he goes, he, he kind of posed a question like, well, you know, all this stuff that we have here in Bella Vista, and is that why you want to come? And I'm like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, sorry. I just thought of that too. I'm like, no, hold on a second. You don't have a full understanding here. Well, just in case anybody's wondering, and you just happen to start listening to this podcast halfway through, we are very happy in Bella Vista. <laughs> this and, was nine years and ago. And Kirsten is very happy, and she <laughs> reminds me often just how thankful she is that we moved here and how good it's been for our family, and the church is incredible, and our friends are, friendships are deep. I mean, so let there, be, let there be no... As a very good memorial for, for us and where we were and where we are now. Absolutely. There's other things. We have other memorials, you know, and these don't have to be like you know, huge, deep, sentimental things, but, but things that serve as a reminder. Um, like, for example, I, in my office, I have a picture on my wall of the skyline of Annapolis. And and it, like, what is that? Is it a memorial? Well, not really. But what it is, it's a prayer reminder. So it's something visual that reminds me of some things. One, it reminds me to pray for my son who, who lives in Annapolis. And I pray for him every day. And every day I come to my office, I see that picture of Annapolis. And I, and I lift up a word of prayer for him. And I ask God to protect him and guide him and give him wisdom and to stay faithful in his commitments. And, and, um, and, it, and it it's just fun re- to see that and know that that field out there, he is out there at least three times a week running around yeah. and doing something. And so you can kind of picture it and see where he's at. We're so. actually staring at the picture right now because we're, <laughs> we filmed or we, we record this podcast in my office and we turned it into a little podcast studio, but we're looking at that picture and, and, and in that way it does serve as a memorial, but more so than just remembering to pray for Neil. Um, but it reminds me of how good God has been to me that he has given me two great sons and um, two sons that I feel the utmost responsibility for of their spiritual walk with Jesus. And that reminds me that I, I have a tremendous responsibility to, to set these boys out on the proper course, loving Christ. 
So, yeah, in that way, that kind of serves a memorial. And so whenever anybody comes into my office and they ask me, why do you have a picture of Annapolis, Maryland on your wall? And I can tell them, well, because my son is there and it reminds me to pray for him. It reminds me that I have a responsibility as a father, whether they're in my home or not in my home, to lead them and care for them and and uh, shape them spiritually. And so, you know, all under the fact that that uh, I actually had that in my own life. I had a father who prayed for me often. I remember even well into my adulthood, my dad would call me up and say, I'm just praying for you today, or how can I be praying for you? You know, it's just, you know, I always knew I was being prayed for. And so I try to turn around. That's a reminder of that, which consequently, I have another kind of memorial. Like the, the question is, what kind of memorials do you have that remind you of how good God is or what the Lord has done? I have in my office, um, and anybody that comes in here can see it. It's going to be the strangest thing um, to most people. It's I have a roadrunner. <laughs> I have a statue of a roadrunner on my shelf. And a lot of times people ask me, like, what? What is that? Um, in fact, I pulled it over on my desk because I knew I was going to mention it today in today's podcast. But this roadrunner, I... It's one of my earliest memories of my dad's office. So for those that may not know, my father, I have the exact same career my father did. He was a pastor, just like me, preacher, preached for over 50 years. And I remember as a kid going into his office and there was this roadrunner, this little statue. Um, I would say it's kind of made out of the same stuff that a Precious Moments figurine would be made out of. Um, Like porcelain? Porcelain. Um, we'll put a picture of it in the show notes probably, but I love how you brought in a precious moments figure because <laughs> it's nothing. Like it's kind of what it reminds me of, <laughs> but it's a, it's a roadrunner. I have no idea where my dad got it. I do not know the history of it. Um, but what it does it invokes a strong memory and it ties my father and what he did and the churches he served there's a link there and it reminds me about legacy. It reminds me about responsibility. It reminds me about what an incredible dad that the Lord gave me. And so when he passed away, um, I was able to bring that from his office to my office. And now I look at it every day and I'm reminded of just that God has been good to my family, that, um, that his faithfulness can endure for generations and the, the same, the same f- relationship that my father had with the Lord, I want to have a strong relationship with the Lord just like that. And I want my boys to have a strong relationship with the Lord. And um, that for whatever reason, that little roadrunner figurine, for some reason, helps me remember those very truths. Mm. And it reminds me of my father too. But I, but you know, whenever somebody asks about that, this is where the story goes. I had a great dad. He loved the Lord. Um, incredible legacy that he left for me. I'm trying to leave the same legacy to my boys and, and God's just been extremely, extremely good to my family. And, and, and we talk about it. It's, it's like, it's things like that, a little bit more, a little thing that reminds me of the goodness of God and how he's brought us through and endured us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of what this chapter, I think was more impactful on me Mm -hmm. once I preached it and got to this chapter than I had originally thought it would be when I was trying to map out the series way back in the day. So there's other things too. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, well, and that's, you had mentioned even like, um, we talked earlier about, a, a metal 
like a race medal. You know, they give you a medal as you commemorate your, your race. Like running you, a marathon. Yeah. If you've ever run a marathon, you get that at the end and it, you hang it up somewhere and you're like, I remember how many miles I had to run for that. I remember how many, how much pain I had to go, f- you know, through with that. But, um, and sometimes it's God brought me through this and that's the only way I got through that race. I have received one medal in my whole life for running a distance. Good job, babe. And this may surprise you, but did you guys know that in 2017, I ran the Bentonville Half Marathon? Well, I walked it. You, I, you ran I jogged. Well. I jogged you the first couple it. miles, yeah. and then I kind of walked jogged the rest. But in that medal, actually, now that you mentioned it, it's in my office it here. It means something. It's up there on the shelf. You know what? You know how hard you had to work for that. You know what it reminds me of now? <laughs> Oh, how far you have fallen. (laughs) Just thinking about doing that race again doesn't bring good vibes. I don't know if that's a good memorial (laughs) for me. Oh, my word. (laughs) I have a few medals myself. Yeah. That I've done. And it does. I mean, it just reminds you of how much work it takes to earn that. I keep another object in my office that reminds me of God's faithfulness. Um, I have a gold shovel over by the door. And, and Nick, our site supervisor for our construction project, the day we broke ground on the Highlands campus, he actually brought this shovel and he painted it gold, he spray painted it gold. And then he had everybody at the groundbreaking signing it. And then he slapped a new life sticker on it and he gave it to me and he goes, this will mean something down the road. Hmm. And boy, he sure is right. I look at that shovel and people come to my office and they see that shovel and they ask questions. And, and I'll tell you, I, I, I look at that shovel, I show it to people and, and everybody was at the groundbreaking signed it. And, and I just tell them God is good. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at what happened at the Highlands campus and I know without a doubt it would not have happened without the Lord. That project is bigger than any of us. The what it took to bring it together, it was absolutely the Lord bringing together all the right pieces and the resources and the and the the new life family to make that happen. Well, so you that asked everybody as well before the groundbreaking, well before the groundbreaking, when we went and had a oh that worship day, yeah, and said, hey, go search the ground and find something that you can take home with you to remind you to pray for what God's about to do here. And there are still, I think, several hundred people who have something from that property who have prayed and now can stand on that property and go, look what God did. And they still have that little prayer reminder. So yeah. so I'm thinking of one in particular where um, uh, one of the ladies in our church, she took a rock mm-hmm. and then she put it on her desk at home. Mm-hmm. And so every day she was reminded... Pray for the Highlands campus. Pray for what God's going to do. Mm-hmm. It's before we ever moved one shovel of dirt. And uh, not too long ago, she sent me a picture of that. She oh, said, I cool. still have my rock. That's awesome. But now, what does that rock stand for for her? Mm. It's like this little piece is is a memorial, if you will. It's a little stone yeah. of the great thing that God did mm-hmm. on that property. And so, will continue to do. Absolutely. So so there's these things as we just kind of think through you know, what kind of memorials stand in your life that are catalysts to tell the next generation or to tell somebody about the greatness of God and the powerful God and how he's come through for you. And, and just like Kirsten and I have just been spending a few moments here talking about just different things. They don't have to be big things. They can be little things. They don't have to be physical things at all. But what are you calling to mind? 
What happens inside you that you can look at and, and serves as a memorial about those times that God did come through for you and he is powerful, he is mighty. And I think if you just take a few minutes and think through your own life and what those might be, you just might be blown away how God will have you use that particular story to, to promote him, to bless somebody else and spread the love of Christ. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.